poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Chasing Poker Greatness. Now, nestled in the foothills of a mountain range, Greatness Village is the promised land the Chasing Poker Greatness community calls home. Here, you'll find elite teachers, aspiring pros, and primitive tribal warriors who grew tired of their old ways and found a better path. These are the stories of Greatness Village on Chasing Poker Greatness. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson. And today I have a villager-centric episode with Doug Leifert. Doug is a software engineer and developer and poker player. He's been a prominent member of the village for like a year or so, something like that. He's now splitting his time uh, in the software world and also striving to be the best poker player that he can be also working behind the scenes on some future CPG software projects that I'll be happy to announce at some point in the future. Doug, welcome to chasing poker greatness, sir. How you doing? Hey, Brad. Great. Thanks for having me. Good intro. <laughs> it's my pleasure, man. Um, and since this is, you know, the villager show, Let's talk about where you came from, how you stumbled across Greatness Village, how you entered the world of poker. What does your story look like? Sure. Um, so I guess I'll start with poker in general, how I got into that. Um, so I started playing poker around age 15, 16. Um, how old are you now, are, by the way? Uh, uh, I'm 33 now. Okay. So 18 years ago, my math tells me like 2006-ish, something like that? Yeah, some, somewhere around there. Cool. Yeah. So I actually first uh, heard about poker because of the moneymaker boom, moneymaker winning. Um, I had one friend in high school or middle school who was kind of into poker and had a lot of older brothers and he would play with them sometimes. So I first kind of got sucked into poker going over to that friend's house and hearing about it from his older brothers. They would have always have WSOP and things like that on TV. Um, told me about the story of moneymaker and I just kind of thought it was really interesting. I, I had always liked games growing up, um, video games, board games, whatever kind of games. So uh, I got into it right away and loved it. Um, started started off playing, like most people, small home games, $5, $10 sit and goes type of thing. Um, didn't take long for me to get really obsessed with it. And uh, eventually, as soon as I was old enough, I was, was uh, making accounts online and just grinding the midnight free rolls on back on like Absolute Poker. Um, those those older sites and I would I would play those things as much as I could I, I probably spent like a year just grinding free rolls whenever I could um, eventually deposited real money uh, played a significant amount throughout college uh, but never really had much success at that time um, always kind of was a net loser to break even throughout most of college uh, after after I finished college and got a decent job and actually started making some money, uh, I started taking a bit more seriously and um, started doing really well 
in MTTs online at that time. Um, played MTTs for a long time, the last uh, probably six years, five, six years, mostly MTTs, a little bit of cash. Um, been a consistent, uh, nice little side income for me um, over those past five or six years. Um, and yeah, still, still enjoying it today, playing as much as I can, studying, taking the game seriously. Um, you mentioned you got money and then you started to be able to upgrade your game. So what was it about getting money that enabled you to have more success than kind of floundering around throughout your college years? That's a great question. Um, I think it, I, this is sort of a guess, but I think that probably it just sort of took some pressure off and I didn't have to stress as much about trying to win. And I just was able to enjoy it more, enjoy the game more. Um, and also I was able to, you know, subscribe to training sites and eventually get coaching, worked with lots of different coaches over the years. So that definitely helps too. Uh, but I think the big aspect of it was just uh, a, a release of pressure uh, initially. And that pressure, I mean, can you speak to that? Because it's it's kind of like a, this intangible thing, right? Where like you're before when you're in college, you still have pressure of like performing and winning. And then after school, I'm sure you still care about winning and losing, right? So like how is the pressure different when you know, you had a job and a stable revenue stream versus, you know, presumably not when you're in college? Um, I think that when I was in college, I was always kind of under financial pressure in general, even just setting poker aside. Um, I, I paid my way through college as far as rent, food, all those sorts of things. So I was always working um, in college, had lots of different jobs, uh, delivered pizza. I was a janitor for a while lab assistant, all these different things. Um, so there's always like a lot of financial pressure just to sort of make ends meet throughout those years. And then once I got out of college, um, moved into an apartment with my girlfriend and we both had decent jobs, we didn't have those worries about money anymore. Um, so I think getting rid of those worries outside of the game just kind of helped me to perform better in the game. Yeah, I think what I hear as you describe that is you've got a lot of different pulls on your attention and a lot of different stresses that you're dealing with on a daily basis. And as you had more revenue come in, now you don't have to stress about all the side gigs. You don't have to stress about like, when is the next meal going? Like, where is it going to come from? How are the bills going to get paid? It's just kind of like automated, which kind of frees you up cognitively to focus on, you know, your passions or your hobbies, uh, poker specifically in this case. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a good way of putting it. Cool. So as you know, you started out building your professional career, taking poker more seriously. What were the steps that you took as it relates to just directly improving your poker game? You mentioned training sites and coaches. What was the most impactful thing that you did? You know, I think, um, everything kind of blends together and it's been a, a long time I've been playing poker, but I think the thing I always come back to regardless of the format of the game I'm playing, I think the most effective study for me has always been just kind of doing my own review and analysis. Um, and I guess along with that too, working with coaches and doing review with coaches, I, I would say 
the thing, the other things I've done that I've found to be less effective are things like watching videos and reading books. Um, th I think those have their place, uh, but I think that kind of just sitting down and going through hands and regardless of what tool I'm using to do that, it might just be pen and paper or a calculator, or it might be a solver, or it might be a simpler tool like Flopzilla or something like that. But just kind of going through hands on my own, trying to answer my own questions, um, I think has always been really helpful and probably one of the one of the most useful things I've done. Yeah. Um, as it relates to systemizing that process, like what does it look like for you today in your hand review sessions? So currently, um, so I've, I, I didn't, I didn't really mention this when I was talking about kind of my path in poker, but I've switched over mostly to cash, um, for the last, I don't know, three months or so, four months, um, from tournaments. And so with that, um, a lot of things have also changed with my processes and my study. Uh, but what it looks like today is um, I try to review after every session or at least before the next session, all of the hands that I played that went to the flop. Um, I kind of have been trying to use the Matt, Mar Matt Marinelli metric of look over every pot that's at least 10 BB. Um, and I just go through the pots and a lot of it is just quick review, just trying to make sure I'm not making any clear mistakes, um, clear blunders. Um, and then I'll pick out a few usually through each of those sessions that I go a little bit deeper on. And maybe that's looking at a solver. Maybe it's just kind of putting in my own numbers for various frequencies and seeing if what I did makes sense. Like if it's a river bluff catch, I might just try to uh, make an assumption about what my opponent's range looks like and if the buff catch makes sense. Um, but yeah, that's the, my main study right now is just post-session review. Um, I do some video watching and some other things along with that, but that's the main piece. Um, so you mentioned studying like either after you play a session or before your next session. And for the intense, serious poker players out there, I would suggest to do that review directly after the session that you play and not before your next session. Um, it, it takes cognitive energy to reflect on these hands and think deeply about them. And I just find that doing it afterwards, you know, it's a pretty, um, it's a much lower stakes game than actually playing when you're reviewing your hands. And to invest a bunch of cognitive energy into a lower stakes game right before your next session just doesn't seem ideal to me because you're going to be more tired. You're just kind of like burning willpower um, by reviewing these spots right before you play. So anyway, that's just something that I find and it's how I coach my guys to train, um, whether it be private coaching students or Wolves. Plus, I think the review afterwards also serves as a great um, cool down for the session that you just got finished playing, because it's very easy to, it's very easy to feel like you crushed it when you may have just gotten some very fortuitous situations. And it's also very easy for you to feel like you got crushed when you were just in some like cooler type situations and either way, just trying to get like back to baseline as you cool down through the end of your session so that you can, you know, kind of go to sleep and reset and be in a better place um, or a more level place at the start of your next session, I just find is, is really good as a process for, um, yeah, reviewing, upgrading, learning, and studying 
just directly after your you play a, a specific session. Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll add that I just completely agree with that. And I guess my what my ideal sort of session looks like is reviewing afterwards and just taking some high level notes on that review um, and then just reading those notes before the next session. So it might just be a couple of paragraphs of takeaways from the review, like oh, you're you're calling C bets a little bit too much in three bet pots or something like that. Um, and that just kind of reminds me of what I learned in the review and it's quick and easy to do uh, before the next session. Awesome, man. Um, you mentioned that you transitioned to cash three or four months ago from the tournament street. So what led to that conversion of conversion of uh, stylistic preferences? So there's a couple of things. Um, I've, I've actually taken some shots at cash throughout the years and they never really went successfully. I, so I've, for a while, I've kind of wanted to transition some percentage of my play into cash and not just be playing tournaments. Um, big reason for that is just the scheduling with tournaments and with having a job is really tough. And I've, you know, prior to end of last year, I spent several years just regularly not getting enough sleep and not having a good sleep schedule, uh, which is just not good for quality of life and health. Um, so I was doing okay in tournaments. Um, 2020 was a, a pretty good year for me, best year I've had in tournaments. Um, and I, so going into 2021, I was feeling pretty good about my results and about how I was playing, but I also was just still not getting good sleep and feeling not very good about that. Um, and then additionally, throughout sort of the first quarter or half of 2021, um, I was continuing to still play tournaments and also going into a big downswing on top of lacking sleep. Um, so I decided to give shot another, sorry, give cash another shot. And uh, I think that was also around the time that I found the CPG community, uh, found the courses that you had been creating, picked up a few of those, um, started to implement those into my game as I was transitioning and really liked them, thought they were quite good, thought they were very effective. Um, so that was a big help in that transition and also just having the community, having the, the Slack community to talk hands with was, was really good too. So I think that that sort of eased my transition. Um, but I guess that's a long way of answering the question, but it was mostly um, just a scheduling and poor sleep thing where I just was sick of it and wanted a better uh, schedule and routines. Yeah, so more practical. Yeah. How has this latest transition into cash gone for you? So I would say that it started a bit rough. Um, I, when I when I started out, I was playing 100 NL and doing okay right off the bat with that. Um, actually, that's a lie. I, I started at 200 at first and was losing a bit, moved down to 100 pretty quickly, and then was doing pretty well at 100 right away. Um, there, I, I think that most of the things that caused me trouble in the transition in the first few months were just logistical issues. Um, trying to play sessions for too long, too late, um, continuing to mix in tournaments and cash and not focusing on cash um, and just kind of having a scattered approach. So that held me back for a couple of months, um, but eventually I moved back up to 200 NL um, and for the last few months, uh, that's been going quite well. Um, this month I'm winning at a very good rate in the 200 NL pool. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of turned around. It's going really well. And, uh, also my sleep schedule has been much better. Um, so I would say it's going pretty well at this point. 
cool. And, and I, knowing you in the way that I do, I know that like you've cleared up some of your schedule recently. Uh, so you have more free time to devote to both poker and sleep <laughs> and life. Um, how optimistic are you about, you know, your future in the world of poker, cash games and tournaments really? Um, right now at this moment, I'm feeling very optimistic about it. Um, as you mentioned, uh, I've, I've made a change to my schedule recently. So, you know, these last several months I've been primarily playing cash, but I've also still had a full-time job. So it is still a challenge to balance those two things, um, and other things in life. Uh, but recently I made, a, I made a transition. I approached my manager at my job and was able to work out a situation where I'm switching into part-time role. So I'm continuing to work. 20 hours a week, fully remote, uh, which is great and gives me a lot more time to study and play. Um, I kind of see it as a sort of a stopgap solution where eventually I want to be full-time into poker, uh, but this is a, a great way to transition. Um, so I'm, I'm really pumped about the way I set it up. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's I've only been doing the new schedule for a week, but so far it's awesome and I love it. Yeah, I'm excited to see what comes of it over the next, you know, three to six months. I, I think that having that extra time, getting sleep, those just <laughs> have to be very huge. We can't really uh, overestimate the impact that those lifestyle changes will have, I think. In a world where a fish dog bets the flop and you don't know what to do. One man Coach Brad Wilson has a surefire plan to neutralize flop leads and rip that dunk to shreds. Nuffle. Available now. Go to chasingpokergreatness.com slash nuffle. Rated R. 100 NL player, former Sergeant Elijah Shears. Before I got Nuffle, I had run into a lot of dock bets. And I think once you play a certain amount of hands, you know there's something wrong with our opponent's strategies, but you don't know how to play to maximize CP against it. And it's very frustrating. I looked at the document and I couldn't believe that I paid money for it. I actually doubted that it could provide value because it was so brief. But since then, it's repaid me just over and over and over again. And it's one of the most consistent money makers built into my strategy that sheds light on just how bad your opponents are. And it took me 20 minutes to perfect it. And it's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm speechless. It's just that good. The simplicity of it is part of it being a masterpiece. <laughs> Nuffle. Go to chasingpokergreatness.com slash courses. As it relates to, you know, the training platforms and communities on the market, how do you think CPG differentiates itself? And I know that, you know, you specifically have tried most of the training platforms on the market. Yeah, so I would say that CPG is very unique in its approach in that it's using data-driven strategies. And that's something that's, I would say, starting to become a little bit more common maybe. but um, I would say the way that's different from almost all of the training sites out there is that most of them focus on theoretical approach. Um, and a lot of the high level content that's available, I would argue is really only applicable to 
high stakes games or maybe even nosebleed games. Um, and I would, I would argue that if you want to, if you want to make the most in the games you're playing, that's probably not the best approach you can take. Um, and I think that most of the games that the majority of poker players play in aren't playing anywhere near what might be theoretically optimal. Um, so I think that's how CPG differentiates itself is a completely different approach that is actually a lot more applicable to most games than a lot of the other options out there. Nice. And what would you say is the most unexpected thing that's come from your you know, journey through the world of poker since you found out about it in the moneymaker boom through today? Um, I have, there, there are two things that come to mind. Uh, one is just the, the people I've met. Um, I've met some really amazing people that I am close friends with to this day, some that I've met many, many years ago and may not talk to very often, but we still keep in touch and I probably will be, be close with them for the rest of my life. Um, the other one is how much what I've learned from poker applies to other things in my life, to my career, to just dealing with everyday life. Um, the things that some of the things I've had to do to get better in poker have also made me better just as a human. Um, that's something I didn't really consider uh, like what happened. Um, so, uh, I would say one big thing is just not being results oriented. I think that's like a really good skill for life. Um, you know, sometimes with that comes up with software, for example, where you try to analyze, you know, what, what feature change or what thing can we do with our software to make it better? And sometimes it doesn't work out well, but you have to focus on the approach and why you did the thing instead of the result sometimes. Um, so I think result, not being results oriented is a very valuable skill in general. Um, the other thing is just like being problem solving. Um, you know, when we're, when we're playing poker, we're just constantly solving puzzles and trying to weigh all the data points accurately, uh, trying to emphasize the right things and come to a decision where we don't have perfect information. And I think there are a lot of situations in life where you don't have perfect information. So by being a poker player, we're just drilling on that constantly. Um, and I think it helps to execute in real life scenarios as well. Yeah, and also just like hearing a lot of the the noise surrounding decision-making in general, right? Like it's, it, it, I think of sports right now because the NFL playoffs are kind of going off and how like every decision is like analyzed to death, um, especially decisions that are like detrimental to the team or detrimental to like the result of a single game. And what, what people just have to bear in mind is like, we're working with, we, they, um, everyone is working with imperfect information and doing the best that they can. And a lot of times you can make a great decision that just doesn't work out in, in reality. And even if it's like, you know, 95% of the time it does work out. Well, 5% is not trivial and 5% will happen. And just because the 5% happens doesn't mean that it was a terrible decision. It just means it didn't, didn't work out that time specifically. Um, we kind of get that. That just is something that kind of gets lost in this world where like people sort of, uh, worship the exact results of a thing instead of the process behind, um, how that decision was made, which is ultimately, the key component to anything. Like if the process was sound, if everything was sound and the result doesn't go your way, well, 
that's life. You just, you know, keep putting your, your best foot forward and move on, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, when you think about joy in your career playing cards, what's the first memory that comes to mind? First memory of joy. Um, it would have to be, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is live situations, live poker situations. So I've made most of my money in poker online. I don't play much live. I haven't played any live for over a year now um, with COVID. But even before that, I played very little. And I've had all of my biggest scores from tournaments online and had a few few okay ones live. But those, those, those live experiences are, are the ones that stick out. Um, one in particular was... Oh, many years ago, I think it was maybe two years out of college, um, I won a satellite to Punta Cana um, on ACR. Um, so I, it was an all expense paid trip for two. So I was able to bring my girlfriend with me. We went to Punta Cana and stayed at the resort for a week, um, right on the beach, uh, had this awesome time. Um, this was, I was only, I had only been kind of playing seriously at this point for a couple of years. Um, so it was really cool to go and meet a bunch of professional players, um, people that I had kind of looked up to n- known for a while and to actually like hang out with them, um, you know, have a beer with them, eat breakfast with them was really cool. Um, and also just like hanging out for a week on the beach, uh, because of poker. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. That's a good memory. Um, the opposite now. When you think of pain in your poker career, what's the first memory that comes to mind? Um, being up until 3 a.m. grinding tournaments when I have to work the next day and breaking everything. <laughs> that's, uh, that's been uh, a painful situation that I've relived over and over over the past several years. Yeah. Love the, uh, the punishment of the MTTs, you know, uh, I, that's yeah. when I, whenever I think about like firing up an MTT slate, that's what I think. Like, God, I got to stay awake until like after 10 PM. Like, no, that's not happening. <laughs> I just, yeah. I can't make myself stay up until like midnight. Um, I feel like it would just throw my entire life in disarray. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's kind of like, I kind of feel like when I was in it, when I was in those phases of, playing a lot of volume for a few weeks, if there's an online series or something and just having horrible sleep. Um, I didn't, I don't think I realized just how bad it was until I was out of it. Um, you know, the series is over. I kind of catch up on sleep a little bit. I start doing a little better and I realized, wow, like I was feeling terrible. I feel a lot better now. That Mm -hmm. was, that was a bad few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what would you say some, common poker advice you hear that you completely disagree with these days? Um, The first thing that jumps to mind is just being balanced just in general. Um, I think there are probably some situations where we want to have some balance, but I think that more often than not, we shouldn't really care too much about being balanced. Fair, fair. Uh, I think that was something that I was speaking with John about recently privately when he, he was like, I used to think a lot about like, what are my bluffs here? And I don't really think about that anymore these days (laughs) because people will imagine that you have bluffs, no matter what the situation is, they'll create some kind of narrative that will project onto it. Some kind of possibility of bluffs, which is sort of the, the human condition. Yep. Um, if you could gift all poker players, one book to read, well, 
book would you gift him and why? Hmm. I'm going to, you're going to have to give me a second on this one. Um, uh, I guess I'll go with, um, I'm, I'm forgetting the name of the one I had in mind. Uh, well, one that I really enjoyed reading, but haven't read for a long time, I'm just going to go with it is Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance, which is sort of a philosophical tale of a book. Um, I've read it a couple of times, but the last time was a few years ago. Um, but it's just a really enjoyable read. I've actually heard that book cited multiple times, uh, maybe even on uh, CPG with other guests. Like it's just a, it's kind of a weird book to crop up multiple times. Um, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Uh, but yeah, I think there, there's another book too about tennis um, and like the mental game of tennis or something like that, which is like a influential in like multiple fields. It's like very specific about one thing, but also just sort of translate in the same way that, you know, lessons from poker translate into our lives as a whole. I think that's sort of the same, you know, the same things happening there. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. So as it relates to your poker career, you know, in the village, playing cash games, what do, what what big goals do you have? Like what's on the horizon? So my main goal right now is to get to 1K NL um, online cash and beat those games over a large sample. Um, and my goal is to do that this year, um, by the end of the year. So that's my main focus. And beyond that, I don't really... I don't know what I'll want to do if I get there, but um, that's that's what I want to do for yeah. now. When when you get there, Doug. When you get <laughs> when there, that's right. I don't know yeah. what to do. Um, what what project are you working on that's near and dear to your heart? Um, I guess just in a general sense, just working with CPG, um, the stuff we're doing. I, I, I that's something I'm really passionate about. Been really enjoying. Um, yeah, that's that's the one. Yeah, I'm the projects you're working on are near and dear to my heart as well. Um, <laughs> and uh, I can't wait to, to see them come to fruition because um, for, you know, the podcast listener may not realize how difficult it is just like getting something up, like an idea, uh, executing an idea just in the world of like software development. Um, it's tough. It, it takes time. It takes a lot of energy. There's a lot of effort that goes, goes into what you do. Um, and then you also have to deal with me, um, <laughs> giving, giving <laughs> feedback or changing things or, you know, just like, again, there, there's this thing where you have an idea and then once it starts getting executed, um, and you see it, you have to tweak some things because like, oh, I, I didn't think about this clearly enough. And now we have to like go in there and kind of fine tune it or whatever. So yeah, it's, it's an iterative process that like, I personally, um, yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about it because I think that there's going to be some great stuff that will impact the present and the future of Chasing Poker Greatness and the Wolves program and just the general training and strategy courses that that we're developing. Yeah, and, and for what it's worth, it's not just you. That's just the standard in software, moving targets, changing requirements. Um, I've been doing it for five plus years and that's just always the case. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like uh, until you see a thing, it, it, it's hard to have enough vision, especially in something that you're not, um, you know, 
working in every single day to have the vision of like, oh, this is exactly how I want it to look like. And then be able to describe that thing from your brain to a paper or to somebody else. Um, and then the output to look exactly like you imagined it. Um, it it's, it's way more difficult, I think, than folks give it credit for. And very, very thankful that you, you know, you're, <laughs> you're a pro and deal with all of these things um, just in a, always a very positive, positive way. So, so before we shut down this episode, Doug, any wisdom, any life lessons, anything you've learned over the past year or so being a part of Greatness Village that you'd like to share with the Chasing Poker Greatness listener? Um, I guess what I will say is meditate and journal. If you're not doing either of those two things, that is a huge, that's been a huge upgrade for me. Um, made, uh, made big changes in my life to do daily journaling and almost daily meditation. How do you go about doing the journaling and then what meditation app do you use if you use an app? So I, uh, I've been using this, uh, there's this company called Best Self. They make this self journal um, and it's a bound 13 week journal they can buy online um, on Amazon or on their website. And I've been using those for like almost three years now. Um, just buy four a year, buy one every 13 weeks and start a new one. Um, and it's a daily journal. Um, so I write in it first thing in the morning or sometime early in the morning before I start doing anything else. Um, and then at the end of the day before bed, um, I do sort of like a summary and it's a really useful tool to one, set out your goals for your day. What, what's your kind of schedule look like? What are you trying to accomplish today? And then at the end of the day, how'd you do? How close did you come to meeting those goals? Um, and then also there's a, a end of week review where you go over your whole week and look at how that, how it went, what you want, want to do differently in the next week. And I, I find that just having that constant review um, is so useful because um, even, even if I don't change anything as a result of it. I, I feel like it's just having the awareness that's valuable. Um, so if you're sitting down to write that stuff every day, um, you're kind of forced to kind of reckon with it, be aware of the things that you need to change. Um, so yeah, that's I the mean, journaling. You're, you're collecting data, right? You're collecting data on how you're doing on a daily basis and using that data to review your processes and how just how you're doing, right? Like, which is obviously quite valuable, right? Like it's just gaining awareness, as you said, of things that you think you should do and are you doing them or things that you're putting on your list? Like, are you overwhelming yourself? Are you, um, do you have room for more? Um, are you happy with the stuff that you're getting accomplished? Um, I think that like knowing what you're capable of, I, this is like a big thing that uh, me and John talked about before Elite's program was like, what if, the only thing you gain from elites is that you're, you gain the knowledge that you're only capable of playing 30,000 hands in a month, right? At least in that case, you can go to sleep after playing 30,000 hands in a month and not feel like you're lazy, not feel like you're leaving something on the table. Like, you know what your capabilities are, um, which I think is like problematic. Uh, it's a problem for lots of poker players thinking like I should play more volume. I should be putting in more volume. Um, but you need to know what you're capable of as a human being, because maybe you're just at capacity and then you can make peace with that. Right. Like you can just make peace with what you're capable of. And, uh, yeah. So anyway, moving yeah, on to the, to med meditation, I, I guess I'll let you interject here too. 
Well, I want I mean, what, what you just said just kind of made me think of something, which is the, I would say like the first maybe year of journaling, um, I was constantly over planning my days. And as you know, Brad, we've had these discussions. My, my tendency is to do too much or to want to do too much. And that's something I have to constantly be fighting against. Um, so what, what journaling did for me um, eventually was to show me my limits and to show me you need to stop planning six things a day and plan three or four things instead. So for I went several months where journaling was kind of a pain because I was just constantly writing down all these things I wanted to do and never doing all of them. Uh, but eventually it forced me to just realize like you need you're, you're over planning like you need to you need to lower your expectations for what you can accomplish. And that was actually really valuable to learn that. Um, so yeah, that just what you said made me think of that. Um, yeah. But um, anyways, going to the meditation side now, um, I have tried a number of different things, apps um, over, over time. And the one I've settled on at this point is Headspace. Um, I like that one a lot. Uh, it's got all these different guided meditations as well as unguided. And it also has uh, focus music um, in all different lengths. So 45 minutes up to like almost two hours. So uh, I use that sometimes for sessions. Like I'll play a 90 minute focus track and I know I, I'm playing until that ends. And then once that's over, that's my session. Um, and then I use the daily meditations for uh, morning morning meditation. Awesome, man. So Headspace, what was the other, the journal? Uh, Self Journal by Best Self Co. Self Journal by Best Self Co. Great stuff. Yep. Doug, it's been yeah, it's really awesome getting to know you better, working with you on a regular basis in the village. And, you know, with that said, happy to have you on, you know, talk about how things are going in the next year. See if you've met your goal of making it to 1K and L. Hopefully we'll be able to talk about some software development stuff that's uh, getting released into, into the world. Um, yeah, man, been great having you on and I'll catch you in the village. And if the podcast listener would like to hop into Greatness Village, go to greatnessvillage.com. You can interact with folks like Doug and myself and John and Shu and all the villagers that have been on these villager-centric episodes. And until next time, take care. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.